0: You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Through Abraham and Sarah, we learn how to maintain great faith when the promises of God seem impossible. Learn more about this truth in week four of our series, Great Faith.
1: Praise God. Very honored uh, to share the word this morning. Again, thank you, Pastor Ariel, for the privilege to minister. I always look forward every time I had uh, this opportunity. But a quick uh, update, again, I uh, recently just got back from the United States. I was invited for some strategic talks about uh, future church plans and uh, how we can expand the church planning work. And guess where? I've been given another new assignment, just another small section of the world that is Central America. So that would be Costa Rica first and then Panama and few other nations like Guatemala, El Salvador, and, uh, and Honduras, Nicaragua. So if you know anybody, I know this is totally on the other side of the world, but if there's some connections anywhere, please do let me know. While I was there, I also had the privilege of ministering to two of our churches, one in uh, uh, Every Nation, Lake Mary in Orlando, Florida. We have three churches in Orlando, by the way. But this one particular, you know, I just arrived, so I'm wiped out. I was asked to preach, so I thought it was one service. I ended up preaching four services. Our church is almost breaking through 2,000 members in Lake Mary. If you've heard of Charisma Magazine, this is one of the most renowned Christian magazines all over the world. Our church meets in the campus of of, uh, Charisma Magazine. But last December tables of turnaround. We now own the campus, and Charisma Magazine is renting our second and third floor facility. Isn't that incredible? And uh, uh, they're totally a uh, very evangelistic church pastored by Shadi Saliman. I think he's spoken here before. I, he? And, of course, uh, the following Sunday, I was able to minister on minus 11 service. I'm glad people showed up in Michigan at our church in every nation, Detroit. Uh, every nation metro detroit and later in that afternoon it went on to minus 18 degrees but uh, it was exciting and uh these last few days just to let you guys know the leaders of the asia leadership team are actually here we had one full day of meeting last thursday one full day friday because we were discussing how again this is january how we could serve the region better i think our region is still by far the largest the healthiest the best in fact uh, just to kind of give you some, a few of these updates, uh, we are, pray with us, because we are planting 52 churches within the next 18 months. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? And uh, this is basically where we are now. We are in 53 of 60 nations in Asia, and we are going to be reaching three more countries this year in 2019. So far, our church plant campaign in 2018, I would say, have all been successfully launched. We have church planting teams in Lebanon, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan. Thanks to your prayers and faithful partnership. Can we give the Lord a big hand for that? Please do pray for our 2019 because as we speak, we have now teams in Egypt, in Iraq, and then of course we have still to send our Turkmenistan. That is for 2019. We are kind of ahead of schedule. So we really have very few more. To go. This is why the next season will be season of strengthening. We have a few Indian uh, brothers and sisters that I saw here today. I so eagerly look forward because that will also be my new assignment to really expand the work in the India, India and South Asia region. Pretty exciting? Are you excited for the Word? Yeah. All right. Now, uh, this is no ordinary series because what we're doing, Great Faith, is a global series. This is not just done by Victory or even Asia. This is the rest of the world. So when I was in America a few weeks ago, I was preaching on great faith. Everybody's preaching on great faith series. Every devotional, every staff meeting, everybody's talking about faith. So it's pretty exciting you know, the, this is uh, through the initiative inspired by our international apostolic team, always exploring ways how we could do things together globally. We started with prayer and fasting, and now we're doing this global series together. This is inspired through uh, Genesis eleven six that if us one people, we speak the same language and we embark to do what God's will for us together, then nothing we plan to do will be impossible. So there is a synergy that happens when we speak the same language. I believe the subject on great faith is very, very, very significant. Why is that? Because this applies to every Christian of every age. This spells the difference between victory and defeat. God desires for us to walk in victory. We don't have to be beaten down, depressed all the time as Christians. We can rise up. This is God's will for us. This spells a difference between fruitfulness and barrenness. You know, when we bear fruit, it brings honor and glory to God. It, it, it spells a difference between joy and despair. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you are in faith, you, you, are, you are steered with, despite all the circumstances, the joy of the Lord strengthens you and it also spells a difference, seriously, even between life and death anything that's not of faith is sin sin leads to death it is crucial that no matter what circumstances we face in life we live by faith you know in fact nothing really outside the realm of faith can be nothing of great significance can be accomplished outside the realm of faith because faith helps us to lay hold of God's promises the starting point of faith is always God's promise does God have a promise for you You fight the good fight of faith. Faith comes from hearing the word. When God speaks to you, you better stand on it no matter what the circumstances go through because this is God's inheritance for us. Amen? God bless us with every spiritual blessings in Christ. Are you walking in the fullness of life, in the blessing that God has for your life? Secondly, faith help us to lay hold of God's purpose and plan. God's plan is great plans for us jeremiah twenty nine eleven. i know the plans i have for you plans to prosper you plans to give you hope plans to give you a future to be the head not the tail to be the leader not the uh you know that the follower i mean this is what god this is this is something that we have to lay hold if we are to live by faith you know satan is a thief and would want us to skew out and not Fulfill God's will and purpose for our lives. We have to fight the fight of faith. And also faith help us to lay hold of God's provision and inheritance. Your family is your inheritance. Your calling is your inheritance. Our cities, our campuses, even nations. Jesus said, God said, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. This is where I am right now, claiming nations. Not because I'm a radical, crazy Christian, but because God said, the whole earth belongs to me. God gave a commission. Make disciples of all nations. We are standing on those promises. We don't know how. We know it's very difficult, but that is what God's will is for our lives. Faith enables us to overcome obstacles and challenges and trials and problems that we go through. Life is filled with this stuff. But if you walk by faith, we come out victors and overcomers in this life hallelujah now again pastor Ariel gave us a quick review about this uh week one we look at hebrew believers and basically look at great faith in light of persevering through life's pressure second is enoch everybody loves this i mean when all the pastors we thought what can we preach about enoch nine verses total in the whole bible but it came out to be one of the most fascinating this is a man who walked with god for 300 years it demonstrates great faith not only to please God, but through life's mundane routines. I'm sure those 300 years of walking with God are not all beds of roses and high mountains. I'm sure they are probably some of the most boring days, but it is steady. He is persevering. He is steadfast. He pleased God so much in the midst of evil, he skipped death. God took him with him. Wow, what an amazing testimony. Noah, Pastor Ariel, eloquently, powerfully, looked at every reference to inspire the life of the faith of Noah, that despite the mockery of the world, despite impending judgment, he obeyed God, he walked with God. And today we will look at Sarah, Abraham's wife. If you look at the logical flow of Hebrews 11, right after Noah, it's supposed to be Abraham. But because we've devoted a few months ago an entire series on the journey faith of Abraham called Unwavering, they've suggested we focus on Sarah. Although in reality, you cannot really talk about Sarah's faith without Abraham. It's a package deal. But we will examine from the lens of Sarah today. So what do we know about Sarah? She's one of two women commended for her faith. The other uh, lady in Hebrews 11 would be Rahab. She's a remarkable woman that trusted God. Many of us would pass off Sarah as just Abraham's wife. But she truly is a remarkable, remarkable woman who demonstrated humility, faithfulness, and submission to her husband. A deep devotion, affection for, for, for Abraham. And demonstrated a sincere love towards God and lives persistent hope that never dies. That is what we will examine. There could be many things we could learn from Zara. But the primary one is demonstrating great faith even when the promises of God seem impossible how many of you can identify with that how many of you seem to be believing God for something insurmountable something so great it seems impossible it could be salvation of a loved one it could be uh healing and restoration it could be a, a breakthrough in your business a breakthrough in your finances it could be that you're believing God for promotion for increase maybe you're believing God for a husband maybe you're believing God for a baby As we will look in a moment in the life of Sarah, don't believe for a, a baby first until you have a husband, okay? Just in case you're single, unless you want to adopt. Otherwise, it'll be an immaculate conception. All right? So, now, let's take a look at our text, and I would like for us to all stand. You will just be reading these two verses. Can we all stand to our feet, and let's all read this together. Ready? Go. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. You can go ahead and take your seats. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Again, I pray the spirit of faith will come upon us. As we reflect on the life of Sarah today. Now, to understand the journey of faith of Sarah, I want us to go back to Genesis where it actually all started. This is a little bit of a long narrative because the narrative of Sarah covers 10 chapters. So that's what I will try to perform a miracle to make sure we all cover that in the short amount of time that we have together. So it all started, this is post-Babel. Remember, people were scattered. Genesis 11 was the scattering of the people because they were building the Tower of Babel. So they were all spread out. And in this particular region called Ur of the Chaldee, there's this man named Terah. Terah is ninth generation from Noah. And Abraham would be the tenth generation. He had three sons, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran's son was Lot, but Haran died in Ur. So his son Lot and he had another daughter Milcah became Nahor's wife, married her niece. Okay. So Abraham, uh, in in the next ver- uh, in Genesis eleven to nine, said Abraham took Sarai as his wife. Now there are many. Uh, uh, it says in, in in I think in Genesis twenty that he married her sister. That Sarai was actually Terah's daughter. That is of another mother. Uh, yeah. That's the picture. But Talmud said that she's actually, uh, Sarai was actually the daughter of Haran, the brother of Lot. But it doesn't matter now. Again, this is just, uh, in the patriarchal era, this was not seen to be uh, scandalous because, again, this was how they maintained, you know, they they were very confined. They they, they intermarried. I mean, Isaac and Jacob married their cousins. You, You could see God allowed that until the period of Moses, where in the Hebraic, uh, in the Mosaic law, this was now forbidden. But predating the law, this was uh, okay. So, this is Ur. This is where they all started. So, Terah, the father, wanted to go to Canaan. So, they they went through Haran, but they settled there for an undetermined period of time, which we don't know how long. But they stayed there until. Until Terah died and then God spoke to Abraham about this new commission to leave that to go to the land where he would bring them. So I'd just like to show you that. By the way, Gerar will come up again earlier in a moment. And this would be Egypt. By the way, Ur is just really north of uh, directly north of the Persian Gulf. Persian Gulf parallels the Red Sea. So that's basically where that region is. Another interesting verse about Sarah is that it said, Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. This statement basically sums up about everything scripture had to say on the first 65 years of Sarah's life. Sarah was barren for all of her average or normal childbearing years. In fact, Healthline.com says average woman's reproductive years is 12 to 51 years and the optimal or prime year would be between 20 to 35 years. So at 65, she is way past the age of childbearing. So you could imagine, this was a social stigma for Sarah. This uh, translates quickly into a cultural shame in those days when you don't have a child. And so, on a personal level, this, this was very stressful, distressing, frustrating. This was uh, causing uh, a lot of frustration. And because... This narrative, like I said, covers 10 chapters. I only want to focus for our study today, four factors to Sarah's journey of faith. So the first thing I want us to look at is the promise. Everybody say the promise. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. This is also otherwise known as the Abrahamic covenant. God called Abraham to become a great nation, but also to become a missionary nation, to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So by implication, this phrase, all The families of the earth shall be blessed through you means that through his lineage will come the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah, who would bring salvation, redemption, and deliverance from sin. And this is perfectly summed up in Galatians. Sorry. This is perfectly summed up in Galatians. I pressed the wrong button. Uh In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, And the scripture, now this makes sense, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Because, again, foreseeing, they didn't see it at this time, but through the eye of faith, Jesus will be born, who will become the Savior, and the gospel will spring forth from him. So, now you might say, but this is all about Abraham. Where does Sarah's faith fit in this picture? Well, Sarah had a major role to play in this picture. Without Sarah, imagine that Abraham will not become a patriarch of a great nation. There is no problem with Sarah becoming a vessel. It would be a privilege for her too. But there is a problem. She is childless and past the age of childbearing so at this point all that sarah could do is only support the calling of god on her husband abraham i want us to think for a moment what was going on through sarah Can you imagine, her husband received this awesome promise from God that he will become the father of all nations. Can you imagine the great burden upon her shoulder to produce this offspring knowing that she is past childbearing? She wanted to, but it's just almost impossible. How could even this happen? Sarah knew the promise, she believed it, but her faith will be tested many, many times over. One of these tests is the fact that Abraham and Sarah both grew up as urbanites in the city of Ur, a sophisticated city in their day. So the life on the road was not something they were accustomed to. She has to learn to embrace a nomadic lifestyle. This wasn't going to be easy at the age of 65, which is a recommended age for retirement. Right? Yet we see no reluctance or unwillingness whatsoever On the part of Sarah, she didn't fight Abraham about this, but she fully submitted, expressing her devotion to her husband, going to a land neither of them had ever seen before. In fact, the Apostle Peter pointed to Sarah as the model, the very model of how wives are to submit to their husband's leadership. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, 1 Peter 3, 6, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you're if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Have you ever thought of that? We usually get scared of things that are frightening, right? But do not fear scary things. That's what he says. And so, what energized Sarah? What energized her to leave family, to leave comforts of home, and to uh, venture into a nomadic, to be a nomadic wanderer? It would not be easy. I be firmly believe it was the, faith, the hope of the promise that God had spoken to her husband. It was a package deal. They were going to do this together. Now, in the case of Sarah, she longed to give birth to the child who would set the whole process in motion. With no housing, no modern conveniences, they journeyed by faith together with her husband allowing God to lead them and to guide them all the way. But one major circumstance will force them to move south, and that would be in Egypt. So although she lived in a world of danger and confusion, Sarah stood firm in her commitment, her husband, to God, and her commitment was rewarded with blessing. Now the test was going to come as they go to Egypt. There was famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe, In the land. It was in this. You probably know already what happened. It was in Egypt that Abraham passed off Sarah as his sister. Why? She was scared for his life. Why? At 65, imagine at 65, I wish I could show you pictures of 65 year old women and yet at 65 she feared for his life because she was so beautiful. That they feared they would kill him and take her as their wife so she told Sarah of course his motive was selfish and cowardly but you could see again I'm sure Sarah struggled for a moment because of the consequences that will happen but yet even though her faith was misguided she expressed her devotion to Sarah uh, to her husband but God honored her for it true enough Pharaoh took Sarah into his palace Treated Abraham well, gave him livestock and goats and donkeys and servants and all of that on account of her. But by God's providence, Pharaoh did not violate her. Now this is debatable because many versions of the Bible says, it seems to imply that somehow Pharaoh had violated her just to make put your minds at ease. If we go back to King James and New King James Version, This is exactly what it says. Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her, which means nothing has happened. I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So God afflicted Pharaoh, so Pharaoh turned Zerah to Abram and sent them on their way. Pharaoh's favor towards Sarah made Abraham a very, very wealthy man. This was such a close call that the first thing that Abraham did and Sarah did was to go back to Bethel. The very first encounter with God where God spoke to them. And there Abraham, the Bible says, call in the name of the Lord. If we have messed up in this life, if we have committed some blunders, I think this is a good lesson for us. Every one of us have to go back to Bethel again, to reboot. To just come in the presence of God. If we mess up, if we blew it, if we made some major mistakes... Don't run away from God. Go to God. Amen? Now, of course, uh, as we move further, Abraham and Lot acquired great wealth and possession. They both agreed to split up because the land could not support them so much wealth. So he told basically, a, Noah, uh, uh, Lot, if you want to turn left, I'll turn right. If you want to turn right, I'll turn left. Trusting purely in the sovereignty of God. Now, fast forward 10 years. 10 years later, Abraham, now 85. And Sarah now 75, post-menopause, still no child. Genesis 15 now introduces us to the second factor into the faith of Sarah and that is the problem in Genesis chapter 15. This is now 10 years later. After these things, because God revisited Abraham in a vision and spoke to him, his original plan. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Ten years later, 65, Sarah was 65, she's 75 now. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I could almost hear Abraham saying in his mind, Lord, I know you're my rewarder, but I don't need any reward right now. I need an heir. That's what he's... believing that's why it came out of him but abram said oh lord what will you give me for i continue childless and the heir of my house is eliezer of damascus and abram said behold you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir and then he continued on and behold the word of the lord came to him this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside and said look toward heaven and and number the stars if you are able to number them then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he credit, counted it to him as righteousness. At this time, Abraham, and 10 years later, and Sarah has already been a bit restless. Still no child after 10 years of God's promise in Genesis 12. But God clarified something that was going to be the most encouraging news for Abraham. It's not going to come from your slave In your household, it's going to become from your flesh and blood. It was encouraging for Abraham, but I don't know if it was encouraging for Sarah. Why? I mean, I could imagine the excitement and the dilemma at the same time, excited because the son will be the heir, but the dilemma, it did not save the baby, will come out from Sarah. All they can do is wait by faith and more complications resulted so let's go to Genesis chapter 16 and Sarai said to Abraham now she's really doubting even questioning God she even used the word prevented and Sarah said to Abraham behold now the Lord has prevented me as if God is against her from bearing children go into my servant it may be that I shall obtain children by her, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarah, which prior to this has always listened to God. This was another test of faith. Do we have the patience to wait on God's promises? You see, it was social custom in those days that if a master's wife cannot is childless, especially after approaching you know, beyond childbearing age, they could actually uh, give her maid to her husband as a kind of a surrogate to bear the child. Remember, Rachel did this. When she had no child by Jacob, she gave Bilhah, her servant, to have children by her. And Leah, when she stopped bearing children, gave her servant Zilpah to have children by her for Jacob. So they have lots of children. (laughs) So this was quite an acceptable practice in those days. And again, Abraham sort of entertained this as a legitimate way to fulfill God's promise. But they never really asked God about this. So because of this, they had Ishmael through servant Hagar. This one act of stepping outside the will of God will have unbelievably far Reaching implications. Unknowingly, Sarah would ignite a feud of, feud of 4,000 years of history and counting in the Middle East today as a result of this one act of mistake. Of course, not, there's no mistakes with God. Now, let us not miss the practical lessons here. Whenever we run ahead of God, we run into trouble. The flesh will always love to help God, but true faith, true faith, everybody say true faith, requires that we have patience. In fact, the Bible says, it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. The promise, if God promised you, that doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Some, it will happen tomorrow, but sometimes it will happen A year, five years, ten years, twenty years, like in this case. We cannot mix faith with the works of the flesh. We cannot mix law and grace. We cannot mix uh, promise and self-effort. So as a consequence, Ishmael and Hagar become a metaphor for the old covenant. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Take a look at this. I wish I could show you the particular verse, but you go ahead and read Galatians for yourselves. But Ishmael became the picture of the works of the flesh. And Isaac symbolizes the work of the spirit. And Hagar is the picture of the old covenant. The old covenant is the law. It enslaves people. That's the picture of Hagar. And Sarah became the picture of the new covenant who frees people through her lineage, which is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, which leads us now to the third factor in Sarah's faith, and that is patience. Now, after waiting 10 years, they concoct this clever idea that somehow they wanted to help God fulfill His promise, so they had Ishmael. So she had to learn to live with this. There are 13 years of silence between Ishmael's birth and the events in chapter 17. 13 years. Sarah would be 89 years old by this time. She had to watch Ishmael grow to become a teenager. Why did God do this? God had to wait. For Abraham and Sarah to die to self so that the resurrection power of Christ may be made manifest in our lives, sometimes in our youth and zealousness. Sometimes God wants to take the works of the flesh out of our lives, and when we're totally flat to our face, then that's when the time that God said, now I'm ready to use you. Just when Sarah's fate was hanging on a thread, God gave the greatest news of all. Genesis 17, 1, it says, when Abram was 99, sorry, I didn't put the verse 1 there, but when Abram was 99, so that makes Sarah 89 because they are 10 years apart. The Lord appeared to Abram, verse 4, behold, my covenant is with you. And this is now one year before the birth of Isaac. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, an exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham, father of many nations. For I have made you the father of multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and king shall come from you. Likewise, we look at the life of sarah and the promise of god for her and god said to abram as for sarah your wife you know what is crazy in all this time all of these promises it's all spoken to abram and sarah wasn't there to hear it directly so she has to rely on her husband to tell her all of these promises so god said to abram as for sarah your wife you shall not call her Sarai, meaning my lady or my princess But Sarah shall be her name, mother of nations. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. She shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. We will go back to that word laugh in a moment because there were three times the word laugh was used. One Abraham and twice for Sarah. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. She was still hoping. Because it was absolutely impossible. It never registered in his mind that God could do the impossible. But God said this, No, but Sarah your wife shall bear you a son. I don't even know that was encouraging. If Abraham was to tell Sarah, are you really sure he really mentioned my name? Wow. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish, by the way, the meaning of the word Isaac. You know what it meant? Laughter. The word Isaac means laughter. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael. I've heard you, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him to a great nation because he's also an offspring of Abraham. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. No more waiting. It's very clear. God clearly stipulated the timetable. Either God lies or she, he comes true for his promise and so here here's where the greatness of sarah's faith shines through for so long she's harbored hope year after year had come and gone she was now old woman no matter how much they tried with abraham they could never conceive and the promise was still unfulfilled most women would have given up they would have gone into depression and despair and maybe turn to paganism for relief. But we are reminded again of the text we read today that Sarah judged him faithful who had promise. And this is what made Sarah's faith extraordinary. Which leads us to the fourth and last point and that is the power of God. The power of God. Sorry. Okay. So Genesis 18 says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now he is not just hearing this from her husband. She is hearing this herself. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? I know many people have considered this to be an unbelief and doubt, but it was actually a laugh of amusement. Just could not comprehend the thought, is it really possible? Really? Seriously? I'm this old? So it was not really doubting all that. Cannot do it. It's just that still in her natural mind, this was all just impossible. And so that laughter, sorry, that laughter of doubt later became a laughter of faith and praise. She waited too long to finally have her child. She thought that God has given up on her, that she doesn't want God to have her, to have, uh, to, for her to have a child. Though she initially doubted, now this is music to her ears. This is all too good to be true. She is finally named. To be the mother of the heir. So you know what her attitude was? She doesn't care anymore. If she was past the age of childbirth, she doesn't care anymore that Abraham, whose body was as good as dead. She looked to God as the faithful God who had the power to do what He promised. She wasn't about to let this go. She held on to the faithfulness of God. So as a result, oh, by the way, in that conversation, I thought I just needed to say this. The angel said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Next time you face an impossible promise in your life, you better go back to this question. You think anything is too hard for God? Amen? Next time you had a really big problem you're facing, remember, this is not just the words of somebody. This is the word that comes from God himself. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And in Hebrews eleven, eleven, by faith Sarah herself received power. Everybody say power. Power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Wow. She knew God was going to take care of all this. All I'd say, it is impossible. But like the gospel say, with God All things are possible. Nothing is impossible for those that believe. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Two things happened between the nine months of childbirth. Two things that would build up Sarah's faith. If she was still full of doubt, this would throw away the doubt. Two significant events. Shortly after God promised Abraham and Sarah a son. In Genesis 19, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah again, uh, but rescued, of course, Lot, demonstrating God, God's sovereign power over the nations. Do you know what's the other thing that happened in between? In Genesis 20, Abram and Sarah journeyed toward the Negev and had a stopover in Gerar. Once again, Abraham repeated the same lame excuse. They will kill me for you. Come on, man. Her, she is now 89 years old. But still, she probably still looks stunning. It's hard to imagine. I wish I could see her at that age. So she still there. when people ask you, tell you are my sister. Again, a cowardly act. But once again, God protected Sarah through whom Isaac, will be born. God was not going to allow any mixture, any confusion. Notice how the Lord warned Abimelech in our modern language, you're dead meat boy. You mess up with the wrong girl because that's exactly what he said. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her again twice. God protected Sarah because of the promised offspring that would come from her. Then then return a man's wife for he is a prophet. So we will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So King Abimelech not only sacrificed to God in repentance, but he gave gifts to Abraham and Sarah and allowed them to dwell in the land. But something interesting in this next verse, I want you to see for Sarah's sake, I believe. Again, it says in Genesis 20 verse 17, Abraham prayed to God. This is Abimelech's family. And God healed Abimelech. And also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. What does that show you again? God is demonstrating to Sarah, I have the power to close womb and open womb at will. God is demonstrating His sovereignty over the affairs of bearing children. So if you're believing God for the impossible, remember again. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Finally, in Genesis 21, God fulfilled this promise to Sarah because he was faithful. The Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Meaning laughter. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. That's another laughter we're going to look at in a moment. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Indeed, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Amen. The earlier laugh of Sarah, according to scholars, labeled uh, this laughter as a laughter of doubt, a laughter of amusement. A laughter of merriment, disbelief, or pessimism. If you look at the Hebrew words, it's interesting. I don't have time to show to you. There are two different Hebrew words for laughter. But after God has fulfilled His promise in Genesis 21, 6, that says God has made laughter for me, the laughter is a laughter of joy. It's a laughter of faith. It's a laughter of a promise fulfilled. Come on, give the Lord a big hand for that. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, I just wanted to say this, that faith always begins with a promise. Every now and then we will go through periods of doubts and testings and trials and problems. Hey guys, that's okay. Even Jesus at the cross at one point said, Lord, if you can let this cup pass. I mean, this is the Son of God we're talking about. In those moments, not that He was in doubt, but He was looking if there's another way. But not my will, let your will be done. Amen? It's okay when you go through moments like that as long as you make a decision in the end. I don't care what the circumstances, I believe God's promise. Through faith and patience, we will inherit the promise if we persevere and not give up. So we go through these periods. This is what is necessary for us to experience finally the power of God in our lives. And just the final lesson we learn from all of this, just as a summary of Sarah's life, the greatest lessons, if you're believing God for the infassible, one, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Remember that. Every time you see that, just remember Sarah. Absolutely impossible. But nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Secondly, that He is faithful who promise. What God said He will do. He had the power to do what He promised. And finally, He has the power to conceive, to birth. To deliver anything and everything that he has promised. I thank God for the life of Sarah. For embodying all these traits. Making a great example for all of us. And this is the reason why her life is included in the Hall of faith. I speak faith and blessings to all of you. Lord God, I just pray that as we come out of this place, we will have clear resolve in our hearts. Lord, that we will live completely trusting in your faithfulness and in your grace. Lord, let the spirit of faith be infused amongst your people even today. I commend them all into your grace. I bless them. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen.
0: Praise God. Can you give the Lord another hand for that? Thank you, Pastor June. That was awesome. You know, one of the things that I have actually learned about this particular message is that though the promise came through Abraham, faith is still personal. You know, you can't rely on the your husband going th- to God. You know, God still will hold all of us accountable personally. You know, when you talk about faith, it is not a package deal that, you know, It's automatic, you know, when your husband or your wife is a believer that you yourself is a believer as well. But somehow we see that in the life of Sarah, there were some challenges, as Pastor Junas mentioned. She first doubted the promise of God and she was, she took things in her own hands. She pushed somehow, she was instrumental in allowing Abraham to sleep with Hagar. The idea actually just came from her as well. She laughed at the tent. So we see somehow there's a frailty in the faith of Sarah. Yet in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, if you would look at the Bible again, the Bible says, she considered him faithful. Just the word considered is powerful enough in fact for God to look at her as someone who has great faith. Somehow she has shifted from her doubt Into somebody who believed God, that He is a faithful God no matter what. And there's a big difference between unbelief and doubt. Unbelief is a state of mind for the unbelievers. You know, sometimes as believers, we can have doubts. Some of you sometimes have doubts. Doubt is something that is a test of your faith. If you're going to really push through with the promise of God, you're there, you know who God is. But yet, somehow, because you consider, as you look in your past, the one who made a promise has never failed me. He has been faithful. That is more than enough. God looked at her and she said, and he said, that's it. You're a woman of faith. She, just by considering him, was faithful to produce that promise. She received ultimately the gift, which is a son in the person of Isaac. Let's all stand up right now. Before we sing, let's just lift up our hands and let's just ask the Lord. Lord, help us to overcome our doubts. Thank you, Lord. Just like Sarah, we just go through life. You know, sometimes we struggle. Sometimes there's doubts in our minds, Lord. Yes, we have faith. We, we put our faith in you for our salvation, God. And yet there are situations and circumstances that are, Lord, just more than, Lord, for us to overcome. Help us. Remind us, God, that nothing is too difficult for God. It's not about us, Lord. It's about you working in us and working through us. Lord, help us to consider you as faithful to be the one to fulfill all that you've promised to us, Lord God. Lord, even today, as we lift up our hands, Lord God, we just surrender to you our faith once again, God. Fill our hearts with fresh faith, Lord God. And just like Sarah, help us to overcome any doubts or any uh, thing that will question, Lord God, your character as a faithful, all-powerful, and God who who will actually fulfill the promise you've given to us. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just worship the Lord right now. You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit our website at victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com victoryph.